Hey everybody, it's Chris. Welcome or welcome back to the Beyond Church podcast. Hey, at the end of this conversation, would you head to our socials at Beyond Church AU, either on Instagram or Facebook and give us a follow. That's the easiest way to share this content with a friend who might find it helpful. And while you're at it, you can click the link in our description to sign up to our email newsletter. That's the easiest way to stay up to date on everything that's going on around here at Beyond. But in the meantime, I hope this following conversation inspires you to take your next step on your faith journey. Enjoy. conversation I wanted to um, I wanted to share something that I have a hunch um, about all of us in the room um, now obviously you might be like I don't know how, how trustworthy this guy's hunches are seeing as he can't remember what week we're in but here's my hunch um, that I have about everyone in the room it's it's I think it's it's true of you um, or of us regardless of where you sit on faith regardless of where you were born what country you were born in what you do for a career um, you know how much what, what tax bracket you fall into how many children you have I think this is true of all of us in the room is that that you want to make a difference. Um, it might not be like on a global scale, but maybe you want to make a difference in the lives of like your son or your daughter. Maybe you want to make a difference in the life of your husband or your wife. Uh, maybe you do want to make a difference on a global scale. Uh, maybe some of you want to make a difference um, in the lives of people that you work with in a particular industry, whether that's the mental health industry or the health industry or the education industry. Um, all of us want to make a difference in some way, shape, or form. Because I think all of us, at, at some level, want to be people who wake up in the morning and we've got purpose to our lives and we've got significance to our lives. Now, obviously, we can sort of be at, at different points along that journey where, where maybe we feel like when we wake up like a little less purpose than we have. And maybe some of you are sitting here and you're like, I wish I, I knew what my purpose was. I wish I knew what my significance was because I'd love to wake up in the morning and feel that. Um, maybe others of you are like, you know what, I, I used to think, Chris, that I had a purpose and I used to think that there was, I knew what my role in the world was, but I feel like, honestly, like life is just kind of beating it out of me a little bit. And it's just really, really challenging. Um, but I don't think that takes away from the fact that deep down we all kind of want to wake up. The challenge becomes, right, is for a lot of us, we just don't know where to start. Like we don't know where to start making the difference we want, you know, especially if you've been beaten down by life. And maybe you once like had this burning passion or this burning purpose, but, but life has kind of hit you down. It can be really hard to kind of like, oh, where, where do I go to from here? Um, maybe others of you, like the thing you want to make a difference in is so big and so complicated. You're like, I don't even know where I'd begin to like unravel that chain. Or, or maybe you kind of start to think like, hey, what, what difference can one person really make? Honestly, is, it, is my little contribution, is my little part, is it, is it really going to, um, to make a difference in the world? And and really, this is sort of what we've been talking about or what we are going to talk about throughout the course of this series. Um, we've got two more weeks left. And, and last week, we started to look at this like, hey, where do we begin to start if we want to make a difference in the world? And last week, we started by kind of asking a question. Um, it's, I think it's a fantastic question. You can ask this question in all sorts of domains of life. The question we asked was this, is what are we or what are you known for? Right, you can ask this question in, in every way. You can ask it in business. You could ask it about the team that you work with. You could ask it about your family. You could ask it about the, you know, the, the, uh, the corporation you work for, the business you work for. You could ask it about yourself individually. But last week, we kind of began to ask this question, hey, what, what are we known for specifically as it pertains to Jesus followers? We said, hey, wh what is the thing that Jesus followers 
should be known for. And here's, um, and maybe this is kind of new to you, but here's the thing that like, um, if you, you know, when you think about it, it makes total sense is if you are a Jesus follower, you can't make up what you want to be known for, right? Because it's the whole point of following Jesus is that Jesus tells us what we should be known for. And as we discovered last week, um, Jesus said that his followers should be known by, by this word, love. Right, if you were to distill it down, if you were to take everything that Jesus said and, um, and, he was, and there was to be one word that could, de- could describe what it is Jesus' followers should be known for in the world, it's this word, love. But it's not just like love how you want to define it. Right, we kind of explored last week that Jesus was very, very deliberate about how he defined love. In fact, this is how Jesus defined love. We kind of explored this last week. Jesus says that, hey, you're to love, uh, as I have loved you, so you, are, so you must love one another. Right? Jesus is saying, hey, um, if you want to know what this kind of love looks like, hey, it looks like uh, loving others the way that I've loved you. And Jesus uh, eventually, as some of you know, would give up his life on a Roman cross for the world. Now, just for all the Jesus followers in the room, can we be honest for a second, because we're in church, and you should be honest when you're in church. Um, that's kind of intimidating, isn't it? Like, that's kind of a little full-on, right? Don't, don't you think, like, we're supposed to love in the same way that a guy gave his life on a Roman cross. Now, that can also lead to a whole bunch of questions, right? Because, like, we don't have a whole heap of Roman crosses in our world today. And so the question can really become for us, well, what does it look like to love the Jesus way? Like it talk, Jesus talked about like, hey, giving your life for other people, but, but what does that look like? And particularly if you grew up in church, maybe you heard that over and over again and you heard that, hey, you were supposed to love like Jesus and Jesus gave up his life, but then you kind of go, well, honestly, what, what does that look like in a really, really practical way? And so here's my goal in the next couple of minutes we have this morning. I want to I really kind of distill this down to get super practical. What does it look like to love the Jesus way. And then I want to give you uh, one thing that you can do. I want to give you one thing that, that we all can actually do uh, to love the Jesus way. And so um, here's the good news is I'm not going to like uh, make this up. I want to I look specifically at a moment or an encounter that Jesus had in his life where he kind of gets really granular, where he gets really nitty gritty and goes, hey, this is what it looks like uh, to, love, to love this way. And uh, this particular encounter is recorded in one of the biographies we have of Jesus' life. Uh, we actually have four biographies of Jesus' life. We have one, one written by Mark, um, one written by Luke, who was a doctor, uh, one written by Jesus' best mate, John, and then one written by Matthew. And Matthew's the conversation we're going to jump into this morning. And Matthew, I, I love Matthew because Ma- he's so fascinating. If you're someone who, you know, you don't really feel like you fit in with church people or Jesus people, Matthew's your guy, because Matthew wouldn't have ever thought that he fit in with church people or Jesus people. And here's why. Um, Because Matthew was Jewish, Jesus was Jewish as well. And the Jewish people at this time, um, at this point in history in the first century, were under occupation by the Roman Empire. And that didn't really change a whole lot, because the Romans kind of gave the Jews a whole lot of freedom. They could worship whatever gods they wanted to. They could kind of go about their business. But one of the main things um, that Rome wanted when they were were occupying uh, the Jewish people was the Jewish people had to pay a tax back to Rome to kind of keep them safe, to kind of keep things above board. Matthew was a tax collector for the Roman Empire, which meant a couple of things. It meant that Matthew wasn't really in with the Romans because the Romans kind of viewed the Jews as subhuman, so they kind of like, Jewish scum, we're not friends with you. But 
here's the deal, is that the Jews didn't like Matthew either because they viewed him as a Roman sympathizer. And so they really, really didn't like Matthew. So the, the Romans kind of pushed him out. The Jews kind of pushed him out. And just to kind of highlight how extreme this kind of pushing and shunning was, um, you know, the Jewish culture, it was, it was, they don't use this word in the way that we would use it today, but it was quite common that there were people who'd put their hand up and they'd say, hey, look, we're sinners. Look, that, that's us. You know, our life's messy. We're not sure we buy into the whole Jewish temple model system. Yeah, we're going to just call ourselves sinners. But then they'd say this. But don't confuse us with tax collectors. Like, there's a, they're a separate bracket, okay? Like, we know our lives are messy. We know our lives are messed up, are messed up. But don't you dare, don't you dare call us tax collectors. So they'd be like, we're the sinners and they're the tax collectors. They're the ones who are so far from God. God doesn't want to have anything to do with them. God, like, God kind of has pushed them to the side of society. And this is where Matthew fit in. And one day, Jesus walks up to Matthew's tax collector booth and says, hey, Matthew, I've got a question to ask not why are you doing this, not how could you, it's, hey, would you like to follow me? And so Matthew begins to follow Jesus. Matthew sees the way that Jesus interacts with the world, and he spends around about three years with him. And eventually, Matthew writes down and records the interactions that he had with Jesus. And it's this one interaction that we're going to look at this morning. It's an interaction that, that occurs as Jesus is is leaving a town called Jericho, and he's on his way to Jerusalem. And uh, I'll, I'll just let Matthew um, explain this to you. He says, As Jesus and his disciples left the town of Jericho, a large crowd followed behind. Now, this is, this is pretty common for Jesus, right? Jesus was everywhere he went was surrounded by a large crowd. Now, how big is the crowd? Well, it's probably bigger than 20 or 30, okay? Um, hundreds, definitely maybe thousands we're not sure but it was large it was large enough that they they said it was a large crowd and they they were followed um they followed behind him and the atmosphere of this crowd was pretty electric you've got to imagine that it's electric right because they're moving they're going from jericho they're going to jerusalem there's a big jewish festival going on there's excitement in the air the way i would sort of describe it and if you're not a sports fan i'm so sorry about this an example right for that the way i would describe it is it's like you're walking in the state of origin it's like you're walking in to the stadium, you know, there's blue supporters, there's Queensland supporters, everyone's anticipating this big event that's going to come up, and the atmosphere is just kind of buzzing. And Matthew, in the midst of this, says that there were two blind men sitting beside the road. So in the midst of all this noise that was going on, there were two blind men sitting beside the road, and when they heard Jesus was coming that way, they began shouting. Like, they hear this crowd, they hear this commotion, like, hey, hey who's this, what's happening? They're like, hey, it's Jesus. So they begin shouting, and this is what they shout. They say, Lord, Son of David, which is just the way they referred to Jesus, have mercy on us. And this is the crowd's response. Shh. You know, shh, be quiet. The crowd yelled at them. Which is, have you ever thought about this? It's kind of bizarre, isn't it? Like, this is a crowd who is following Jesus, and then there's some people on the side of the road who are blind. They're like, hey, Jesus, can you help us? Like, shh. Sure, 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 sure. Just get out of the road. Like, let's let's move the way. Let us keep moving forward. Now, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of reasons why the crowd did this and responded this way. But I think one of the reasons why they did that is, is because of this. It's they weren't really there for Jesus. Right? They they were there for themselves. The crowd weren't really there for for Jesus and who he was. They were there because you know they had they had families and they had bills they had to pay. 
and they had challenges that they were that, that they were encountering in their life and their thought was was this and it's kind of you know almost a little embarrassing to say this out loud but this is what the crowd was thinking they thought hey well if jesus helps these blind people he might not have enough time or he might not have enough energy or maybe he'll have used all his miracle powers on them and then he won't be able to help my situation and then i'll miss out and won't that be a shame if i don't get what i came for now thankfully the blind men had a little bit of resilience and they didn't let the crowd shushing them put them off instead they only shouted louder lord son of david have mercy on us and here's this thing when jesus heard them which to me is like my first question is like how did he hear them like there's so much noise and the only way i can answer that is to be like well he's jesus i guess he's jesus um so when jesus heard them he stopped now i don't know about you but i I really don't like being stopped, okay? When I'm on a mission somewhere, I do not like being stopped. There's only one place that I don't mind being stopped uh, if, I'm, if I've got somewhere to be, and that's at my, co- my, my favorite coffee shop, okay? My favorite coffee shop, it's in Northlakes, it's called Told You So, and usually my favorite barista is there, his name is Chris. I do not mind if Chris stops and has a chat to me while he's making me my coffee. I have no issue with that. But you know what I don't like? I don't like when I've got somewhere to be and someone is driving 90 in a 100 zone. Get out of the road, okay? Move over. You know what also bugs me? When I've, when I've got somewhere to be, and of course I'm running late, but that wasn't my fault, right? And you go to the, you know, self-serve checkouts? And it says in really clear letters at above the top, this is a card-only checkout, and someone uses cash. Yes, right? Thank you, your, right? Because I'm like, did you not read the sign before you came in? Now, now you're making me late. I have to stop because you can't read. Like, it's so frustrating. But really, if I'm honest, okay, if I'm honest, the reason I don't like being stopped is because I just don't like being inconvenienced. Okay? I have an agenda. I have things I want to get done. And it's an inconvenience for someone to stop me, if I'm really honest. But Jesus doesn't seem to bother about this, which is kind of wild, right? When you think about it, like Jesus is God in a body. Right? Jesus is God in a body. His schedule is crammed full. He knows all this sort of stuff that he's got to do. And Jesus says, no, you know what? I, I got time to stop. Sure, we've got places to be and, and stuff to do, but, but I've got time to stop. And then he even asks them a question. He says, well, what do you want me to do for you? As if it wasn't obvious. They're like, well, Lord, we want to see. So Jesus said, Jesus, Matthew, I love how he records this. He says, Jesus felt compassion for them. And this isn't just like, I don't know, like our kind of 21st century view of compassion, you know, like the, oh, thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers, I'll post about it on social media, I'll raise awareness. No, this, this wasn't th- that kind of compassion. This was this idea of um, actually entering into and getting a glimpse of the suffering. See, Jesus kind of, in this moment, just began to think about, I wonder, I wonder what it would be like to be like these two men. Day after day, week after week, to have people just push you to the side have people marginalize you, to have people that want nothing to do with you. That's what Jesus was feeling in that moment. And then Jesus said this, he touched their eyes and instantly they could see and then they followed him. And so the Jesus way of love, if you want to take Jesus' example, it looks a lot like this. It, it looks a lot like seeing what others don't see, stopping even when it's inconvenient for you, and then serving the needs. Seeing what others don't, 
stopping even when it's inconvenient, and then serving the need. And here's, if I can just be honest, there are some things about Jesus that frustrate me, which I don't know if you can say that, like, seeing me where I'm a pastor, but you should know that. There are some things about Jesus that frustrate me. And this is one of the things, is because Jesus demonstrates what he describes. Right? Jesus has this infuriating way of telling people to do things and then asking him to follow, but he never asks us to do anything that he wouldn't do himself. Right? And in this example that we just looked at, Jesus demonstrates something that he described to his disciples just a couple of chapters earlier, a few moments earlier before this encounter. And a few moments before Jesus demonstrated this, he described what this way of love, or, or what, what he would do. And, and this description comes about because there are these two brothers, James and John, and they're like having this argument. Effectively, they're kind of saying like, hey, who's going to be the greatest? When we get to heaven, who's going to get all the perks? And so then their conversation sort of spills over and they go to Jesus and then they, they just start listing all the stuff they've ever done for Jesus. They're like, hey, Jesus, look, we know that you're a big deal, but like, hey, we've kind of helped you get there. And like, look, we, we lead the small group and we host and we set up and we get the coffee ready. And when you're doing the preaching, like we're walking around, making sure that everyone's good, you know, like we're, we're feeding everyone. We're putting all the work in behind the scenes. And so here's what we're just wondering, Jesus, in light of everything we've done, do you think we can get like a loyalty card or something when we get to heaven? Like just get some perks, like, you know, maybe like get the, the places of honor at the table next year. Can we get some kind of bonus for what we've been doing? And Jesus' response to this kind of describes what he demonstrated in this story with the two men. He, here's what Jesus says. He goes, do you know, do you know that the rulers of this world, they lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them and and 2000 years on right this is not a political statement this is just a description of of the way the world is this is still pretty accurate isn't it like you probably see this in your workplace like people get a promotion people little get a little bit more authority get a little bit more power in their mind and so so all of a sudden it's like ah no no i'm I'm just gonna start to leave early a little bit all of a sudden five o'clock it's the whole lot like 3 30 you know or people kind of be like ah you know what I used to have to do this, but now I'm, now I'm going to give this to others. I don't, I don't really want to do it, so I'll, I'll get someone else to do it. And Jesus says, hey, you know, um, you know when people do that, how you don't like it? You know when people get more authority and more power, and then they kind of almost say to themselves, well, because I've got the authority and because I've got the power, I've graduated from serving and I've graduated from helping people. Jesus kind of says to the disciples, you don't like it when people do that, do you? And he goes, okay, well, well here's the thing. In, in my way of viewing the world, it's going to be different. It's going to be different. Jesus says, in my way of viewing the world, it's not going to be like, hey, get more authority, get more power, and then get more perks. In fact, this is what Jesus says, and, and I'll just tell you before I, before I put this on screen, it's not sexy. It's not fun. You look at that, and you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. But this is what Jesus says. He says, whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. He says, hey, in the, in the Jesus way of viewing the world, if you really want to be a leader and you get more authority and more power, really, Jesus says, that just means you get more people that you get to serve in my way of viewing the world. And then he takes it one step further. He goes, and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. Now, I know, I know this is kind of like full on. It's kind of like, oh, you kind of like tense up about it. But, but just think about this for a second. How would it look in your workplace if your boss took this approach? 
How, how would it look in your workplace if your boss, their goal, they were like, hey, my role here is to serve every single person on my team, to look out for every single person on, their, my, on my team and do my best to help you and lead you. Not trying to think, hey, I'm going to be locked away in my office. Not think, hey, don't reach me. Not think like, hey, I'm so important. I'm so powerful. How would it look like just in, in your world if this was the case? Just something to think about, right? And this is, this is the last thing that Jesus says. As he's kind of painting this picture, he says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And this, I think, is the, is the most powerful thing that Jesus says. Because this is, cause Jesus is effectively saying here, he's saying, hey, I'm God in a body, and I'm here on a mission to serve. I'm not here on a mission to earn power and get authority. I'm here on a mission to serve the world. And I, I just simply want you to do the same. And so after this, the disciples would have seen him heal the two blind men. And, and in their mind, they're like, oh, that, that must be what Jesus meant, to give his life as a ransom, you know, serve some blind people. And then what they saw afterwards was they, they would have see, seen Jesus bring water to people who were thirsty. They would have seen Jesus feed people who were hungry. And in their mind, they're like, oh, well, this, this must be all the stuff that Jesus was talking about when he was talking about, hey, give your life as a ransom. And then one Friday, they, they finally understood it. One Friday, it finally kind of made sense to them. Because one Friday, Jesus hung on a Roman cross and died to serve the world. And then three days later, Jesus left the grave behind as kind of a, a way to, to show to the world, hey, not even death can stop me on my mission to serve the world. And for generation after generation after generation, Jesus' followers all across the world have tried to not look to be served, but to serve, to give their life away not, not to get power, not to get authority, but simply because that this is the God that we say we follow. Now, have we always got this right? Of course not. But this is the goal of Jesus' followers. And here's, here's why it's the goal. Here's why it's the goal. It's because this is, what, um, this is what Jesus is getting at, is that you and I never more look more like Jesus than when we're serving people. You and I never look more like Jesus than when we're serving people. And sure, you know, we can look like Jesus and maybe even some of you have an idea in your mind of what a spiritual person is. You know, you come to church and maybe you like raise your hand a little bit or you like raise it like out to the side so no one really sees it or you read your Bible all the time or you go to your connect group. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. Hey, if you really want to look like me, then you need to serve people. And so here's what I'd, I'd, love, to, I'd love to challenge us to do before Monday this week, is to serve like Jesus. Now, <coughs> if, I, if I had have been prepared, and it, I don't know if you guys ever have these moments, but as soon as I got up here, I was like, I know where this Four Monday is leading, and I know I was supposed to have cards put out in the seats, but I didn't do that. So now I'm going to ask you if you would very just generously um, help me out. I'm just going to pass a bunch and then pass it back this way. This will be fine. You can just pass them back. Thanks, Jason didn't have coffee, didn't have it all together. And as, as this is coming back, you can just, hopefully there should be, you know, maybe there'll maybe be a couple more and you can just slide them back. You can just scan the QR code on that. And that QR code, it's going to take you to a website. Um, now, as you go to the website, thank you for helping me out and serving, 
certainly me there. Um, it's going to take you to a website. And uh, for those of you who, uh, who have been a, a part of Beyond for a while, you would know that prior to COVID, uh, we used to do this thing really regularly called Go Beyond. Um, where we would just jump out into people's backyards. We do it three or four times a year. We'd jump out into people's backyards. We'd, uh, we'd clean up their yards. We'd clean their cars. We'd clean their houses. We'd, there was teams that would cook food for people. We'd put hampers together, all this sort of stuff. Um, COVID made it a little bit more tricky to like get into people's backyards, okay? Um, and so COVID put a whole bunch of restrictions. You couldn't just go and serve people anymore. Um, it was far, far, far more challenging. But now that sort of restrictions are starting to lift, um, we are really, really excited that we get to now begin to serve again. And uh, the first way that we want to do this, we're, we're going to have um, our very first go beyond for the year on Saturday, July 23rd. So Saturday, on Saturday, July 23rd, um, what we're doing is we're actually um, serving our local community because on the oval behind us on, s- on that Saturday, there will be about 5,000 people who turn out from our community. So normally it is called the Griffin Christmas Carnival. Um, this year it's called the Griffin Christmas Carnival in July uh, because uh, last year's Griffin Christmas Carnival got rained out through one of the 15 torrential rainstorms we had over Christmas. And so they, they weren't able to put it on. And so this year, here's what we want to do. We want to sign up. If you, could, if you could, uh, put your name and your email in there, we will send an email out with all the information um, and there are a bunch of times throughout the day to sign up. You can sign up to set up. You can sign up to run stalls during the day. You can sign up to pack up. There's a whole bunch of different ways that we can serve our community. But if you s- register via that link, then we will get the information to you. So it's in about six weeks' time. Now, if you're anything like me, right, here's what I know. Because right, I, I like to I, I'll, I'll listen to messages like this or sitting rooms like this, and I get all excited. I'm like, yeah, this is so great. And then it's like, oh, do something. I don't know. I, I feel like there's something on 23rd of July, I don't know, I feel like there's something on, I think I was going to spring clean that day, yeah, yeah, I think I was going to reorganize my office, I think I was going to, I was on a, I was on a holiday, I was doing something, and, and, and I get it, so I get that resistance, trust me, I do, but, but here's, here's why, here's why I invite you to, to just consider pushing through that resistance a little bit, especially for those of us who are Jesus followers, here's why, because I, I think people like the Fullers, people like the Fullers, um, who sold up their house, uh, and moved to South uh, East Georgia to build, um, you know, cost-effective houses for the people of South East Georgia. I don't think when they did that, they thought we're going to have Habitat for Humanity. I think in their mind, they were like, hey, look, we are just going to serve the community that's right in front of us. I, I don't think that when this good-looking rooster, this is William Booth, I don't think in the, in the 1800s when he was walking around East London and he saw the poverty that was there. I don't think in his mind he thought, I'm going to start the Salvation Army. What he thought was, there is a need, and I want to meet the need. There is a way I can serve, and I'm going to serve. Just in the same way that Everett Swanson, when he was traveling to South Korea, and he saw young boys and young girls get picked up by a garbage truck, he wasn't thinking to himself, I'm going to start Compassion International. His first thought, these men and women, their first thought was, I'm just going to serve the need right in front of me. And that's, that's the thing that, that's on offer for us as Jesus followers, is our role is not to do something massive or do something big. Our role is just to serve the need right in front of us. And the reason why is because you and I have no idea what God would do with your willingness to, to see a need, to stop, maybe inconvenience yourself a bit, 
and to serve and do something about this. Because honestly, my hope, my hope is that on that day, we actually, before the last week's Griffin Christmas calendar, we had over 30 leaders or 30 volunteers signed up. I think honestly, we could easily get 50, easily. But could you, could you just imagine, just imagine for me for a moment that on that morning, on that morning of the Griffin, of the Griffin Christmas in July carnival, there's 50 volunteers from beyond in the car park outside. We get here at 7.30, 8 o'clock, whatever time they tell us to rock up. And then we walk through the school and then we walk around the corner and these, this group of PNC, this group of parents, this group of teachers, sees 50 people from the local church show up to serve. Could you imagine the difference that could make? Could you imagine the way that's going to change people's perce- perceptions about a local church? All of a sudden, it's not going to be like, oh, they're the, they're the church that meets in the hall. All of a sudden, it's going to be, oh, they're the people that serve our community. They're the people, hey, look, I don't know if I believe what they believe. I don't know if I ever want to believe what they believe. But when there is a need in our community, when something isn't happening and when something isn't working, these are the people that if, if we put, put a shout out, they will do something about it. And so that's what I want to challenge us. Would we, would we be willing to see what God would do? Would we be willing to see how God would use us to make a difference in our community by seeing, stopping I'd love to pray for us as we wrap up today. Jesus, I thank you that, um, that we take our cue from you. I thank you that, um, that you set this really high standard, but uh, that you also equip us and you also allow us to, to be able to follow that standard. It's not a standard that, that you yourself uh, didn't live up to. And so, Jesus, I, I pray that as, as your followers in the world, that, that we would see needs that when those needs are presented, that we would stop, even if it's slightly inconvenient, or even if it's a lot inconvenient, and that we would serve, not for our own authority or to get, uh, you know, point people to ourselves, but Lord, so that we could just simply be more like you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, once again, thanks so much for listening. And hey, if you live in the Griffin, Marumba Downs, North Lakes or Moreton Bay region, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend environments. You can find out more by heading to our website, beyondchurch.com.au. You'll find directions, service times, and what you can expect, as well as information on our Upstreet Kids Club, which is our primary school-aged environment, and Infinity Youth, our high school-aged environment. That website, beyondchurch.com.au.